So well, welcome to Le Party. It's your weekly destination to hear about all the hospitality industry news. And my name is Jeremy, and this is Mish. Hello. Uh, what we basically do for you is uh, we dig through hundreds of different news sources, media, blogs uh, around the industry, so you don't have to. Then basically, we also get you connected with everything else, global events, whatever happens that is interesting in academia. If there is any new software. Uh, that needs your attention or anything that is having an impact on our industry um, we will add our own opinion to it and our own spin but we do provide the sources so you can you're more than welcome to fact check us and that's it all right i guess so the, what's on the menu today i mean we i think there's quite a lot of things that happened uh last week um uh, you know not, not some some things not as exciting as others but uh I would say we can start with the with the hospitality panel that uh, basically was talking about lifestyle hotels. Um, mm -hmm. It's not a very <laughs> not a very new thing. Uh, that's why we kind of looked at it as a, as a follow up news. But uh, apparently now in uh, in the wonderful continent of Europe, there are over nine hundred fifty six hotels that classify themselves as lifestyle. So. Uh, out of those, there's 66 brands, right? So uh, quite a lot on the board. Um, at least 66 different lifestyles you can you can lead by booking the wow. correct hotel. It's I, like, should I dare to say there's a lifetime for gender or is it too early? Yeah, <laughs> not quite sure. Point is, though, uh, um, out of sort of all the, all the different, uh, you know, brands sort of the top 10 lifestyle hotel brands out of those the six are belonging to the big chains right so it's it's something like the you know the big corporation telling you hey you know we understand your lifestyle follow us right so not we can say the majority of these brands aren't really uh let's say independent <laughs> well 10 years ago you had to be a boutique hotel now you have to be a lifestyle hotel so uh yeah i just i just it's always interesting and confusing what people call a boutique or like a lifestyle hotel. How how do you how do you how would you define a lifestyle hotel lifestyle property? I mean, uh, it has to have really cool writing on it. It has to have weird furniture pieces that nobody really wants for for their home. Yeah. And it has to have people working there that they, I will address you in in an informal way, right? Yeah, they have tattoos and like a lot of pins in the uniform. Okay. Yes, and they have. So basically, it's a, un a not boring hotel. Is that what we're saying? Yes, and they smoke an e-cigarette while they check you in. I think that would be. Oh, wow, that's so modern. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, dude. I mean, what <laughs> what else do you want? Okay. I think the most important thing is there's so many different lifestyle choices you can make now, right? And there's this the correct brand that you can choose for for you, you know, to do that. For example, I mean, you know, some of them are pretty cool, right? Like the W is basically a, a party okay. hotel, right? So yes, uh, there's not nothing yeah. else to it. <laughs> it's it works. <laughs> it's a party hotel. If you want to party and your lifestyle is partying, then the W is definitely for you, right? And then it really is. Um, there's obviously, you know, smaller brands, but I mean, Autograph, right, is kind of the Marriott's choice of just dumping all the boutique hotels into one basket. And I don't know if you can call that lifestyle. It's just, yeah, as you said, boutique. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's easily opposable to typical Marriott, typical Sheraton, uh, you know, because every single room 
is the same on Marriott. A Marriott hotel is going to be exactly the same everywhere in the world, uh, which is great because it means standards of quality, uh, same standards for mattresses, sanitation, all these things. So that's great. And I feel like the hospitality world kind of loved that before because you would have your um, your your your, uh, your common catalog of goods that you can get from all around the world. It means that you shrink your costs, you make more margin, and the same quality is the same everywhere. So you have a very big consistency. Then we want it to be boutique because, oh, boutique is so cool. I actually love this, this coffee table. I want to buy it and you can buy it, but nobody does that anymore or anyway. But I guess that was the cool part of it. And now we have to be lifestyle in opposition to regular boring type of hotels. Uh, some of them dare to say that it's an experience more than a stay, which I find despisable because it is a stay. Uh, so yeah, that's, um, I look at this with, I understand the point of, hey, we're gonna try new things. We're gonna try new design. Uh, there, is, there is definitely something different about this hotel. It's just, I feel like there's, it lacks a definition of what a lifestyle hotel is. So everyone talks lifestyle. Everyone says lifestyle. It always goes in the same basket, but it's difficult to define it properly. So, um, so it's cooler and more expensive, basically, which is fine. It's, it's, it's a decent positioning on the market. I'm fine with it. I like it, but there's no official scholar definition for it. And I feel like everyone is playing with it. Yeah, um, I mean, you can, you know, there's no certification. <laughs> there's no one going around checking your lifestyle and getting certifying you as a lifestyle hotel, which is fair enough, right? I mean, I think that's what we're, we've put in the, the newsletter, right? That you know. But on the opposite, hotels have certification. They have ISO. They have, you know, yeah, the star system. Right, right. So, but, right, so but this the... grading exists, but the lifestyle hotel, they just don't even bother. Their lifestyle, they're cooler, so... I mean, yeah, certification is also for more factual things, you know, what sized room do you have? Or, you know, do you have a pool? Do you offer breakfast? All those things, exactly. right? Of so, course, which, yeah. but you cannot appreciate the coolness of furniture or the coolness of that green painting over your bed or, you know, the, 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 the check-in guy that smokes an e-cigarette, you know, or the, no the, certification. Or the upcycled furniture made out of plastics that was, you know, swimming somewhere in the ocean, something like that. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that. So I think on that note, we can move on to the next piece of news. Uh, what do you have? You that you think you would like to, to talk about in specific? Specifically? Yeah, sure. I do have some cruise ship stuff as usual, and I'm sorry for this. Um, Apology not accepted. The cruise ship world. Well, that's sorry. You're going to have to go with it or you have to stop inviting me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, something funny happened in, in Japan where there is a this Turkish guy that uh, jumped out of the ship when the ship was in port. Um, uh, this happens actually rather often. Most of the time people are doing it as it's fun. I'm jumping from my balcony cabin. Haha, ha, it's very high. And they actually risk dying. And <clears throat> then 1,000 crew members are involved into uh, rescuing that. So that's kind of dumb. There's a very dumb video of a guy jumping from the 18th deck from his cabin and in Fort Lauderdale or something like that. But that's different because in this case, the Turkish man is suspected of using the crews to uh, immigrate illegally to the country. We have a word for that on ships and it's called jumping. We say you jump. Uh, so this guy allegedly is, was jumping in Japan. So he used the crews as a way to get physically there and then he wanted to sneak out. That's what the police is suspecting. So. 
Um, there's, of course, procedures against that that are done by cruise ships to prevent crew members and guests to jump. But ultimately, if the guy goes ashore and he doesn't come back, there's nothing that the cruise line can do except reporting it to local authorities. But um, my question is, why would you not just walk out and then just quietly disappear? Where did you have to jump? Literally. <laughs> so uh, I thought it was quite of an amusing piece of news, except that he probably almost, you know, he risked his life. It's very, very dangerous to do that. Do not do this. Do not jump overboard ever. But um, he tried it out. So I thought it was worth sharing. I, I mean, also, you know, if it wasn't Japan, I've, I don't think they, I mean, <laughs> they're not going to be very welcoming in the sense they're just going to give him a... Uh, a refugee title <laughs> let him live no, there you're right? on a cruise ship and you ask for asylum eh. yeah i mean you, you you're already well off to you know to book that trip in the first place yeah for sure maybe yeah, cruise uh, in Japan but i mean look nobody interviewed him right maybe his motivation was that the cruise ship experience was just so bad that he really wanted to escape oh you know you can still walk down the gangway it's it's a much safer uh, and no. drier way to leave but sometimes it's just so bad. You really want to leave right now, right? So I'm sure you had similar experiences in life, Jeremy. Have you ever jumped off balconies? No, come on. I never jumped over a balcony ever. Of course, of course. No, but I mean, right? So <laughs> have you? No, I have not. No. Should I? I? No, no. <laughs> I mean, according to this man, I mean, we can definitely try it in Japan. So yeah, the the search is yeah. with this. We found right, the video. The the search was suspended. They haven't found them yet. <laughs> so I guess he can, you know, book his room again, you know, good for the cruise. Yeah, well, he he's probably unfortunately blacklisted for every ship in the world. But uh, yeah, it's an um, interesting way to do tourism. But uh, there's actually a very interesting uh, training that is done for every single crew member on board as per um, IMO. Uh, we have to go through something called security training and security awareness. Uh, and it really gives you a lot of information on how to deal with stowaway with people that sometimes, you know, because ships are going to call different ports, different countries. So it can be used to smuggle goods. It can be used to smuggle people. It can be a, a, a gateway for people to run away from a place and go to another place. So uh, there actually are procedures to deal with this. And by law, every crew member is supposed to be familiar with that. Every crew member was trained on handling this. So it, it, it is a very big deal for us. But I mean, what are you supposed to do? The guy just jumps off his own balcony and he swims away, right? What is the what is the procedure in that case? Shoot, well, shoot, case shoot him with a harpoon and <laughs> put, him, put him back in? Or... <laughs> it's a man of a board procedure, technically, in this case. But um, mm. yeah, if he just literally swims away and it really looks like he's, 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 he's swimming away and, and trying to make his way to land, uh, yeah, in this case, I guess the crew, like the, the officers, report him as a as someone that jumps. So that's it. Legally, I mean, uh, literally and figuratively. And that's it. That's where it ends then. All right. Um, okay. Next piece of news. Um, something more on a serious note. <laughs> and so there, there is a um, every right. Um, there is a wonderful sort of the. the um, reporting on the pipeline of different hotels across the world, right? We've looked into Saudi Arabia recently, into Europe, um, in America, into the US as well. For example, in Saudi Arabia, you know, the most, you know, in most regions now, that the the pipeline 
has already increased year on year quite a bit and it's basically you know in brackets recovered from 2019 levels because there's more being developed mm -hmm. now than uh, back then uh, but it's interesting to note, you know, which type, types of hotels are being developed per region. So in uh, Saudi Arabia, we saw recently the report said that it's mostly upper scale sort of, you know, high class hotels, which I mean, maybe self-explanatory. Surprising. In, and in Europe, in the United States, it's uh, mostly um, mid scale. Right, so you know, middle class kind of type of hotels, right? Mm -hmm. Most of the, you know, for the the majority of the people who live in Europe and in the United States, and apparently, so in Latin America now. Uh, well, first of all, the news is, in, in within the pipeline that they have officially, you know, that they're officially tracking, uh, around fifty percent are under construction, right? So, because a lot of the properties are, you know, if they're in the pipeline and they're signed, it can might take a year or so more for whatever permits and so anything else to come mm -hmm. in, but it, within that. Uh, it's still for Latin America. Most of the hotels that are being developed are within upper scale category, so mid, so upper mid scale category, which to me is, um, I mean, I, I guess, I mean, it, in a way, it makes sense. It could also be the fact that right, um, how this is being tracked, right? Um, let's say someone is the opening up a small budget motel somewhere. It's not part of a chain, right? They're not going to announce it somewhere. They they might have it's not recorded uh, yeah, yeah right so we don't know the the, the regulations in different countries because this is obviously all of latin america right maybe the just some stuff like this just goes completely unnoticed right so in a way you could say that this report is what you know trackable <laughs> hotels are being currently opened nonetheless right i mean uh, latin america you can see is also is recovered right so there's a 11 percent increase year on year uh and I mean, also, if you think about it, currently there's 594 projects in development, right? Uh, for the last quarter, let's say 2023, right? Mm -hmm. I have a feeling if you take all of Latin America, I'm sure there's way more hotels currently being opened, right? If you, it, Very likely, yes. Right, so it's um, maybe more likely, some, you know, let's say big official chains are, or, and, you know, any companies that are submitting official building permits and so on. You know, they those are the ones that are being in the in the loop. So, but yeah, uh, we can see that the industry is recovering. So uh, that's a that's a, that's positive, for sure. It's actually uh, I, I selected a report on that as well. The one is in Canada. We'll get to it after, I guess. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you know, during COVID, everyone was saying that we will never recover from that. Blah blah blah. And then we realized that three days after, everything is full. The revenue per available room is <laughs> increasing 20%. Uh, the ships are full, new hotels, new boats, new everything. So people are eager to travel. And of course, Latin America has a lot to offer, uh, a lot of different styles to offer. It is the gateway to Antarctica. Um, so <laughs> there has like a lot of pros and, and ultimately people are traveling there. And uh, Well, and the number one but, country for, with development, at least, you know, those are the, in the pro port is Mexico, right? maybe makes sense since it's one of the more developed uh, countries in the region <clears throat> and it's followed you know yeah. by, by countries like brazil and and you know dominican republic is is pretty pretty high up there but yeah guiana is 13 projects interesting yeah, yeah. but I, it's still though right it's quite interesting um if we would take this for face value right the majority of people who live in latin america are not gonna stay in as it's mentioned here luxury upper scale <laughs> yeah. projects right it's they, kind of funny because as you said there's probably a reporting issue because in sao paulo brazil which is a gigantic tourism city there's 12 projects 
And okay, fine, almost 3,000 room. But in Guyana, which is super tiny, 13 projects and almost the same amount of rooms. So for sure, they, they, I mean, it looks, I think you're right. This, they, this might be a little uh, data input uh, issue on that. But also, the older... It's great. All, all this is probably driven by foreign tourism and, and northern tourism. But good for them. They deserve it. They're, they're fantastic places with amazing cultures that really need to be discovered and experienced. So I think it's great that this continent is powering up on tourism and is investing a lot into hotels. So, Yep. Works for them, for sure. Um, all right. Do we have... I've never been to Brazil. You can... Um, <clears throat> I was lucky enough Good to night. go there in brackets during the, during the World... Uh, during the FIFA Cup in 2014. Not a best time maybe to go there when, when it's the most expensive prices and one of the highest traffic I'm sure the country has ever experienced. But it was fun, no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, right. <laughs> Everybody has their own ex experiences. I didn't stay in lifestyle hotels, so but I had my own lifestyle. Oh, wow. <laughs> maybe Not that's boring. what... Exactly, yeah. I didn't stay in a W. Maybe I should have. Um, all right. Well, make sure to stay in Paris for the Olympics. We're more than happy to welcome you back and get some bed bugs uh, experience. No, nope, which is great. We don't have that. Uh. That's, uh, <laughs> that's very very finished, and uh, that actually came from the UK. But anyway, carry on. Blame the British. On that note, of course. Uh, you yes. have anything else for us that you want to share? Uh, yeah, uh, interesting. We can talk about uh, the NFTs, for instance. Mm -hmm. I, I read into this piece of news. It was telling. It was pretty much, you know, telling the story that there's a new upscale of a hotel that's going to open in Cancun, a lot of rooms, pools, private beach, and an NFT bar. So I came to believe. I came to ask myself to wonder what what in the world is an NFT bar and why does this thing even exist? So the article was not really explaining what the NFT side is going to be. Like, can you buy drinks? And can you do you also get the token of this drink? Like, do I get like an Ava Cancun Margarita unique NFT and I can resell it for billions of dollars? Or like, I, I, it, it was a bit obscure on how that was going to work. So I tried to do more research and it seems like there is also a restaurant in, I think, New York uh, that opened and I had this partnership with uh, whichever chef I can actually find it. It's over here. Uh, which chef Spike Mendelssohn, which I do not know, but it's a pizza restaurant that is uh, doing some sort of collaboration with uh, Top Chef, the, the show. And basically there you can buy the pizza, but you also get the NFT token that you can exchange later on on a market. And no, like it's, it's just very odd to me because NFT came around was overvaluated somehow the hospital industry must have said wait that looks great let's do nft as well but by the time that we are doing it it's already like gone and nobody's talking about it anymore people call it a scam a scheme whatever so i thought it was very interesting to see that there's still brands like ava that are you know saying like oh we have a tech friendly nft bar in our super hotel near the beach in cancun so I don't know what's your what's your input on hospitality and NFT, but it's just to me it's just it's just very amusing. Uh, I don't see the point. But I mean, you have 
people at the bar inherently are maybe the most uh, gullible, <laughs> right? They are, by definition, drinking. Maybe, spring break people, yeah. maybe at that point you're like, oh, look, that cocktail, or, you know, you want to buy the NFT of that Let cocktail? Let me buy this margarita NFT. <laughs> yeah. It's just $200. You basically scan some, you know, QR code or whatever, let's say, make a transaction with your credit card, and then you get a NFT file, basically an image. An image on your on your computer that you just paid for. But you're the only one that gets it in the world. So basically, it has a value, right? But it had a value when the ape thing was valued at hundreds of thousands of dollars. But now it's worth nothing because it is an image and people realize that. So how come, except for us to talk about it and except for the press to talk about it, like what's the point of having an NFT bar? In, in, in your hotel, you just have like a regular bar or whatever other theme bar, but an yeah. NFT bar, it's very odd. I think me and you, Jeremy, are just, so, it's, 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 we just, we're just not enlightened enough to understand this. That's, I think that's the problem. It's too lifestyle for us, maybe. Yeah. I, I read also somewhere, I didn't, I didn't link that, but I read also somewhere that there are some hotels that have NFT uh, gallery room where instead of having art, you have screens that display the NFT art and you can purchase that. So it's pretty much an e-art gallery that there is in the hotel, which which I'm more right with. And I feel more, uh, how can I say, more uh, comfortable with. And that reminds me that I was contacted once by a company uh, when I was working on cruise ship that said, hey, you're working for this company, blah, blah, blah. What we're doing is we are selling installations of super duper 8k gorgeous massive tvs and we control them from you know remotely from our office and we can display whatever playlist of pieces of art you want on it based on your moods based on planification we can also have random uh, keywords all this so it's it where the nft no but it's kind of funny that art is getting more digitalized and that the hotel industry has not, you know, has seen come in and it has adopted it because it exists. It's there. But the NFT thing, I don't get. I don't get why we're still trying to sell NFT in hotels. Why did we even start in the first case, in the first place? What's the point? I, you, you know, I think you, I don't know how to answer to this, but uh, uh, we'll see. I mean, if it works, right? If, if this, some of this kind of stuff works and it, and it turns out to develop extra revenue, right? Even if it's not so noticeable on the bottom line, then other other companies are going to adopt it. And then you can start buying NFTs everywhere in hotels. That could be, you know, a potential, right? People do buy a lot of not crap, but, you know, stuff in hotels, right? Whether it's art or you know, furniture pieces or whatever they, they liked while well, they stayed there, right? Maybe they liked something and it, it is a common common thing, right? There's a hotels that are entirely filled with art and everything is for sale, right? And it kind of works. So, um, yeah, but it, because it, it, it has value there because it, it's, yeah, but it, it is like an actual, but it, it has work a, behind it, you know, well, in your eyes, right? If you have art that is, oh. Right, if it's a physical piece of art, for some people it has value. For some reason, for some people it doesn't. For, in my well, opinion, more I... than an ape, more than the board ape, the JPEG. Maybe people will value that more in the future. It doesn't Maybe cost, a, right? We're talking about it. <laughs> We're talking. I hope that you enjoy the kids screaming and being tortured in the <laughs> in the corridor. 
<laughs> Sounds very. The Pope would just finish him already. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. I'm not sure what's going on in there, Jeremy. Would you like to explain yourself or? The Philippines. I see. I see. It's just normal, right? <laughs> okay. Well, I think on that note we can maybe finalize this, right? And uh, let's yes. go to the next piece of news. Um, sure. What I have for you is uh, a academic paper that we were looking at recently. Uh, I'm sure you would be just as excited as I am uh, about academic papers. But um, I mean, as part of my, my job uh, that I'm currently doing, right, uh, was trying to put together quite a lot of uh, sort of sources and trying to try and understand the target group for a certain market and found a lot of different uh, academic papers that are released on this topic, right? When you often find reports on gas or, uh, you know, or on any trend in the industry, it's very, very, very much surface level, right? Some, some, some company somewhere asked a thousand guests if they like holidays. Yes, we do. Great. Um, well, this one uh, actually looked into backpackers specifically Danish backpackers and looked at the motivations that these backpackers have uh, when they travel. So they basically looked at over different 40, 40 different motivations based on other academic papers where people said, well, you know, backpackers like volunteering, backpackers like to experience themselves. And so, you know, so that's topics like this. And they went out and basically surveyed uh, thousands of different backpackers. Uh, you know, you can look the the total breakdown. Sorry, not thousands, but you know, it's definitely up there. Uh, so it's several, you know, hundreds, and uh, they've basically isolated twelve different motivations uh, that had a correlation between. Uh, basically, had a higher score of, um, you know, they were rated as important reasons for people to go traveling as backpackers, right? So you can see here some reasons like sun and beach, uh, self-actualization, gastronomic experiences, nature, all the things we kind of know. Um, the, the, the most interesting part to me was the reasons that are why did people stay, uh, sort of the, the, the mom to mom reasons and how they changed over time when backpackers traveled multiple times. So the top three reasons you can see are stimulation, host site involvement, which basically means experiencing the culture locally and nature. Right. Uh, you can see that, for example, nature, if you stay, if you start traveling more and more and more, does not change. So you see the mean. So basically, the people had the option to rate from one to five, five being super important. Right. Super important reason. One not important at all. And the more you travel, the, na the nature topic really stays. But, for example, stimulation and local culture <laughs> starts decreasing a little bit. Uh, and then you can go down the reasons, for example, volunteering, right? I think backpackers and that target group are one of the more famous uh, people who, you know, go out there and, you know, share, go, you know, travel because of a charity or something. Well, apparently it's the least important reason. Now, right, there were a total of 40 reasons, so it still is important. But it's uh, it's one of the least important reasons why people yeah, in the top it's the least yeah yeah exactly uh, and then stimulation we can look that up up here <laughs> right it's kind of a a, a group a category so stimulation is having fun having once in a lifetime experiences and exploring the unknown so that's for the initial target group so the people who travel for the first time as backpackers is the number one reason why they would go on a hostel experience right. They want to experience things, which is fair enough, you know. But I think papers like these are extremely important because, you know, we look at all this 
crappy reports that you know some companies are trying to sell for thousands of dollars and this is academic papers that you can go on the university website and just look up right don't even have to pay anything for it you can if you want to you know buy a journal for <laughs> several several hundreds of dollars but this is like if you are running a hostel to me is extremely important you immediately understand what does your group want and you can of talk course. to them more you can uh, so, for example, there is another paper that we looked at that came out recently. Well, recently, no, but it's 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 a it's a it's a paper that is still relevant, and it broke down, for example, the the sort of the the the, um, the categories of spending that people had in fjords. Now, there's other papers where I found that basically had uh, uh, papers like uh, you know about the Sicily region or international visitors in the United States, right? There's different papers addressing the same topic. But for example, for Norway, right? Let's say you are a hotel in Norway. Well, here is your exact breakdown of an average spending of a tourist also by target group. And you can see how it changes, right? So for example, France <laughs> uh, spends apparently for some reason the most amount on transportation. <laughs> I'm not sure why, but, yeah. uh, uh, but for example, eating, like eating out, uh, you would think the French would spend most, but the British are spending way more on eating out than anybody else. Of course. The, the food they have at home is very challenging. Yeah, Norway is definitely better. Huh? <laughs> it's the, the cultural capital of food. <laughs> so um, you basically have this uh, breakdown, right? I mean, you can look at an average, uh, kind of makes sense. An average tourist in Norway spends 32% on accommodation. Fair, fair enough, right? And then there's other things, you know, activities, eating out, groceries is a very big topic, right? So, f you know, if you're running a hotel, you know, you say, okay, groceries, basically, let's say my, my typical guest is going to spend, a thousand, let's say, $100 a, a day on total of all the things he's going to spend, right? To capture more, you shouldn't be trying to give him, uh, uh, I don't know, perhaps an amazing... Uh, let's say, cig you know, cigarette selling experience, or I don't know, but you look at this and you say, look, first of all, eating out, if I don't have a F&B option, maybe make a partnership, right, with a local restaurant, then groceries, right, you, there is now concepts where you can install this micro kiosks for food uh, in hotels. Sure. Yeah, so find that. And you can have shopping, trans transportation, whoa, yeah, you can definitely have your little park of cars or motorbikes, even though for uh, for Norway, motorbikes maybe not, but uh, maybe you, or you can have a partnership with another local branch for sure. I see where you're going, and that's very, it's very smart, yeah. Right, so it's very uh, useful. This kind of stuff, I feel like, is uh, for fellow listeners uh, and and viewers, right, is by far way more valuable than what we often find on <clears throat> various paid uh, business-oriented sources. So and. It, how you do this is, you yeah, you simply go on Google Scholar, <laughs> you know, type in yeah. whatever you want, region, uh, topic, accommodation, and go through, let's say, two or three pages of papers, and you'll find very valuable sources that often are publicly available, right? You can, through Google Scholar, you'll have publicly available PDFs that are not uh, paid, so. And uh, ironically enough, uh, there's a lot of newspaper that you can, you know, pay, newspaper you can buy for that. But uh, if you know, if you're looking for a specific paper, you can just email a university and say, like, hey, I'm doing research on that. Can you please email it for me? And they will be happy to email it for free. Yeah. Yeah. Because they, they, they don't make money out of it. It's just it's research. The, the, the newspaper are making money out of it, but, but not the university. So uh, most of the time they'll be happy to email it for free. So or answer, answer your questions if you don't understand something. Right. So 
Also, uh, yeah, definitely. All right. On that piece of news uh, or piece of uh, academic <laughs> knowledge, uh, I think we can go into the last one. You mentioned uh, Canada, or is there anything else you would like to? Yeah. Well, it was it was a little bit connected to what you um, what you what you said before uh, regarding uh, you know how the industry is going economically, and uh, it's uh, I, I came on this report uh, by Collier Collier technically, which is a uh, yep. I think I don't know if it's a think tank or an investment uh, company. I think they're consulting. Basically, what they're well. saying, yeah, they yeah, true, true, yeah. Yep. Basically, what they are uh, talking about in the report is that um, in 2023, so last year, the investment in Canada in hotels is 1.65 billion uh, Canadian dollars, which is quite a lot when you think of it. And another information that, in my opinion, speaks more is that the uh, REFPAR, so the Revenue for Available Room, keeps going up, which means that hotel keeps making more revenue per room, per available room. And that is very, very, very impressive for me <laughs> because we are going through inflation. We are going through, you know, salaries are not following up. There's all this difficulty in economy. But yet, we still pay more and more for hotel rooms every year. And that, to me, is very impressive. It, it could be uh, something, you know, that could also collapse in itself, right, at some point. I think a lot of hotels are trying to kind of catch up, right, from the money that they didn't make in uh, during the mm -hmm. COVID period. And at some point... And people you, are paying. Yeah, they are, right? Everybody, they also remember there was this trend of um, revenge travel, you know, you're kind of like going out there. Yes. Right, and you want to really make sure you, you've you've traveled all the time, extra, a bit extra than you know compared to the past few years because you couldn't. Um, there is an argument to be made that perhaps that might fall in the future. Uh, you know, and the, uh, if you look on page number, let's say it's number three, uh, on the bottom left there is an interesting graphic also that shows the um, the weekday occupancy. Mm -hmm. Yep. And what we see is that the occupancy is or the same on the last three months of last year yep. or higher than it was in 2019. So it is more expensive, but people are still going more. They're still on weekdays traveling more. So there really is this, I think, revenge traveling, like we talked about a few seconds ago, is, is it's still on. People are still doing it. People are still traveling. They're still eager to spend money on tourism, accommodation, restaurant activities. And I just find it very surprising when you know all the difficulty that the middle class is having to, you know, to, to end their month in the positive. So um, I think this is great for us, of course, because it means that one of the most important thing for people is to, go, to get around, to go around. So that means there will be a lot of opportunities for the industry to keep developing, hiring, innovating and all this. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm just very impressed how, how by this trend. I'm just very impressed how big this trend is. So I wanted to share that. There it is, uh, transaction history and so on. Yep. I mean, I think we can end this on a positive note. <laughs> Amen. Started with people jumping off uh, cruise ships and ending with a positive net, net positive yeah, for the see, industry. It's always positive. Always. One, one jumps off to book more. <laughs> uh, uh, well. 
All right. Well, thank you, Jeremy, uh, for, for joining. Oh, my pleasure. And um, I guess we see you again in a couple of weeks. That'll be my pleasure. Take care. Bye-bye.